Welcome to the Are You Screwed podcast. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Here we go. The uh, Are You Screwed podcast is back. Adam here with you. Max is uh, next to me today. What's up, Max? Hey, Adam. And Mike virtually with us uh, again. Mike, uh, good to uh, hear slash we could see you. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Um, so uh, it's been a little bit since we've uh, we've all gotten together to to talk about the joys of uh, of Rutgers sports. I think the last time we were all together, we uh, were finishing up some basketball talk. I think Rutgers uh, basketball had gotten through the uh, the gauntlet of uh, that three-game stretch that everybody was talking about with Miami, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Um, and we kind of left it off at that point, like, oh, we were uh, we were somewhat impressed. They, they, they don't suck entirely. They are not wasting our time. Um, so much so that Max even put his own money into it to go see Rutgers uh, at the at the Bronx um, before they lost to Fordham. Uh, more importantly, though, Max, you got to you got to go to the Botanical Gardens, which was more exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say exciting. They have like this uh, display with trains they do every winter. I had never been to it before, um, uh, but my girlfriend and I went. It was kind of cool. A lot of handmade, uh, you know, model architecture. The theme this year was Lower Manhattan. Um, it wasn't exciting, but it was, I guess, a more fun experience than the basketball game itself. Yeah. So they, they wind up losing to Fordham. I guess Mike, the first, you know, oh crap loss of the season where they played well enough in that three game stretch against some very good teams where you're like, oh, maybe this team this year isn't going to have one of those out of conference, really bad losses. And, uh, the Fordham game was a, was a bad loss. There was nothing else to say. Other than that, other than also Mike, the takeaway that the best player on the floor was playing for Fordham, and he was a freshman and five ten and five ten. <laughs> uh, I mean, that kind of sums it up for Rutgers basketball, right? It's it's always that kind of loss. Uh, yeah, it's I, always I that kind of loss. That should just be the team slogan. Yeah, I mean, the team that lost at home to Maine beats Rutgers at home. Yeah, I, I I don't I mean again, there's not a, anything else other than okay, like it it's a horrendous loss to Fordham. It kind of erased somewhat the the three game stretch that you had, um, where again the only win was the Miami win, in which that still doesn't look anything spectacular right now, um, the way they've played this season. But uh, what are you gonna do at this point other than okay? I, I I don't I don't know the Fordham loss is the Fordham loss we thought I guess at the beginning of the year they'd have one of these they did uh, it just came at a really bad time then uh, we're doing this after the Seton Hall loss um, this past weekend where the better team in Seton Hall won I don't think there's any question about that they had the best player on the floor in Miles Powell um, who watched uh, Mike you and I I think m- watched most of this game. And Max, you watched a little bit of uh, it. Mike and oh. I watched. Or it what on was an, it? Yeah, Mike and I watched it on an iPad. Um, at the uh, we went to the Jets Texans game on Saturday. We were watching on an iPad while tailgating uh, at MetLife. So we were kind of watching it, but not really. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I Matt, just, Mike, was this, was this an enjoyable experience at least for you? While you probably had some, uh, some good alcohol, I hope with you. Yeah, it was great. We had we had a few beers. We were eating delicious Italian subs. And then when the game started getting away with like a minute to go, and we're like, all right, this is over. We started throwing the football around. Hold up. It wasn't a minute. We kind of gave up on that game with about eight minutes left, I think. No, so, and then we turned it back on. And then we, oh, we watched did. it. Okay. We're like, oh, right. This is right. Rutgers yeah. basketball. So what? You turned it back on when they were, what, three? Down three? Yeah. Made that comeback? When they got it down to three. And then we watched them. I think it was up to eight or ten with like about 75 seconds left. And then we're like, ah, let's just throw the football around. I don't have anything crazy to say from that loss other than, again, Seton Hall is the better team. I think, as Max always likes to joke, Rutgers had them in the perfect spot, pretty much down <laughs> six to eight in the entire second half. Um, just a shooter and, away. Yeah, just a shooter away. And <laughs> and that's where Rutgers is con- 
always at right now. They're always just one thing away, just one thing away. And I, I, I kind of got the sense on Saturday. And again, this this matchup always between these two teams is interesting because both teams tend to play well versus one another. Like the lesser team always plays up, and the better team kind of, I, I don't know, they have to deal with the scrappy, crappier team in a rivalry setting. So, was it a good showing by Rutgers? Like, is there is there anything to didn't, take away from this? Didn't they lose? From by the point spread, so the game kind of happened the yeah. way we thought it would happen. My biggest takeaway is that I dare you to find a coach who has a shinier head than Kevin Willard. Yeah, M- Max asked this, Mike. Um, do you think Kevin Willard shaves his own head, or does he have somebody do it for him? Uh, I think he's got a guy. Right? When you make that much money at this point, he's not crazy rich, but he's rich by most standards. I mean, you he's, probably have a guy come to, like... And you're shaving your head, so you could probably like have teach somebody on staff to do it, like make some like lackey manager do it. Well, the thing is, Seton Hall is not a state university, so maybe Seton, Seton Hall doesn't have quite the um, number of superfluous employees that maybe Rutgers might have. So can we? We can't. We can't Oprah Seton Hall for these like emails that Kevin Willard to like his no, barber guy. No, no. So we, we don't know. This will be a mystery forever. It will be, and I, I hope if he does have it. Like if someone does it, it's with like the straight edge. Yeah. That's always cool. You got it. Like if you're if you're wealthy, you got to get a straight edge guy. If you're wealthy, Mike, you you go and you get the laser hair removal done. Wait, wait. Can we talk about this? Because I've said this before, but I don't think we ever talked about this podcast. How how much trust we put into random people during the course of our lives? There's a guy who has a straight edge razor at your neck, inches away from one of the most like vulnerable arteries in your body. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I've never met you before today, but yeah, give me a shave. He could kill you at any moment. It's it's the, it's remarkable how much trust we put in random people in the world in every day, especially at the barbershop. Well, you I definitely haircut that ruins your life for like a long time. Well, I was gonna go more along with the bad haircut. Like, I'm not really that worried about somebody murdering me with the straight edge. I'm more worried about the crap. Like, go <laughs> if you're gonna give me a crappy haircut, murder me on top of it because I don't want to be seen with the crappy haircut. So that is true. You put a lot of of trust in a barber. Like they're they're an artist and they can do whatever they want with your head. So, but Kevin Miller doesn't have that. He that's a luxury to him. It, it's like a crappy haircut to him is really not a would, crappy haircut. Would you want? I don't think I'd want laser hair removal. Like I know it'd be a pain to shave your head all the time. If you were, if you, you know, I don't know if Kevin Willard has like, would have the cul-de-sac if he grew out his hair <laughs> or if he's just like thinning. I don't know what Kevin Willard's actual hair situation is. I don't know if I'd want my hair removed by lasers. I, I don't guess, know about that. I don't know. I guess if you lost them anyway, my point was why not just then never have to be bothered but by the, it. Again. You could never have the, the cul-de-sac look if you wanted it. I, it. It's hard for a coach to pull that off. Is anyone pulling that off other than Dana Holgerson? No, I don't. Did Seth, <laughs> did Seth Greenberg have that for a little bit before he went completely bald off the top? Jay Billis for a little bit on t- okay. television. Um, so there, there have been some some instances. On I don't. It. I don't think anyone beats Holgerson's cul-de-sac though. I think that's number one. Well, when you've got a cul-de-sac mi- crew, when you've got a mix of your the cul-de-sac and a mullet together, Dana Holgerson and the visor. Yeah, the it's, visor. It's fantastic. Would, but I'm cool. With, maybe basketball coaches should start being allowed to wear visors when they coach. Like, get rid of the suit. Yeah, well, I, I don't. Well, Bob Huggins has been doing that for a very long time. Because he's the man. Because he's he's the best. Oh, I was saying how there is not a more a better combination of coaches than the ones at West Virginia. Yeah. Between Holgerson and Bob Huggins, it would be a lot of fun to do a West Virginia podcast. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like I, I don't know. That'd be that's like what the Flaming Couches podcast pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's a good name, yeah. yeah you can that's, go with that. that's easy. So uh, going back to Seton Hall again, I don't think I, it, it did feel odd that Rutgers came back. They did make it a game at some point, down three, and then Powell, the best player, again goes and pretty much takes over, does what he has to do. So game is over. Seton Hall wins this one. It kind of I, I waited a little bit, and then I kind of got into it in in the Rutgers Twitter sphere as I usually do. Um, and I didn't think I was being, uh, you know crazy at all my takeaway pretty much um from the the seat hall game uh, i'll read you the tweet that kind of set it off for for some people um was i said these two things can be true at once Pikel can be commended for taking rutgers out of the laughing stock category and number two it's fair to question how good of a coach he is right now with the lack of development on offense keeping them from that next quote unquote step that apparently set some people off and they weren't happy with me because then I also followed that up saying it seems that Rutgers fans right now are kind of being fooled. The coaching flaws are obvious and Pykele's either going to overcome them by recruiting elite talent because of his style 
and he's going to mask those issues, or you're going to be stuck with games like we had on Saturday against Seton Hall, games against Fordham. They'll win games like Miami, but they're just not going to be a good team. And I, I think that, again, we saw all of us kind of had that same feeling with Eddie Jordan. We were kind of going that direction, at least I was personally, with Mike Rice to a certain instant, you know, to a certain point. And right now, all, Steve Peichel has just gotten to a certain level. And, and Rutgers fans, he could do no wrong. He can do, like, for all the trepidation Rutgers fans had basketball-wise that football was going to kill Steve Peichel this year, that there was going to be too much pressure on him because of how bad Chris Ash was, and now everybody's going to look for football, uh, basketball, excuse me, to overachieve. Steve Peichel has had the greatest time this year. He's basically gotten them somewhat competitive, and he now has a huge leash, Mike, where, he, he again, he could do no wrong. And it's quite obvious what the issues are with his style right now. Yeah, I mean, he can do no wrong because there's no one in the fan base who seems unhappy with what he's doing other than, you know, you. Um, everyone else is giving him the time, right? He's got no pressure. He's got this endless window to help Rutgers get to, uh, I don't know, something more than whatever this non-embarrassment state of the program currently is. And he deserves credit for that, obviously, when you saw what he took over from Eddie Jordan. But there's no... I mean, and what makes people try to try to get better and change their previous habits, right? It's a pressure. It's some kind of incentivization. He doesn't have that. You yeah, the year up. is 2028. Rutgers is down eight early in the second <laughs> half to Michigan State. Steve Peichel is just one shooter away from being one shooter away. And Rutgers is on their way back and to the top. I to- like, I, again, to the top I don't know time. which which excuse angers me more sitting from this vantage point constantly. It's the they're young. I mean, the they're young just infuriates me beyond belief. Because again, a week ago, the team that was young beat Rutgers. The best player on the floor for Fordham was a freshman. They're young. You they can, found a way to do it. You can teach young basketball right. players how to run some kind of play. Well, the one thing that I, I forgot which which of you sent it was this play from uh, Western Michigan drew up their coach drew up this great set with back screens and I think I counted screens. Se- seven screens I think I counted and eventually in that it set. got a wide open three these are Western Michigan's players and by the way they they played a top five team in Michigan which they were clearly not better than and they were down five with a minute to go in that game at Michigan Western Michigan we're talking about here right and everybody's like again. So there, there's a coach who could draw up a play. And by the way, somebody should go take a look at that Western Michigan roster. They're mostly freshmen and sophomores. There's like two seniors on that Western Michigan roster. So they're able to do it. So the, the, their young excuse really, really bothers me. And then the talent excuse really bothers me. Like, though they're just not that good. As Max says all the time, they're a shooter away. The RU Screw podcast where you get a breakdown of Western Michigan basketball. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're so sad and sick of the watching Steve Peichel offenses. I wonder if they had they took the row the boat thing from uh, from Pete. Is that that's Western Michigan, right? From yeah, Pete that was Western. That I, was, I yeah. always get my direction. Took it from Minnesota, right? He was saying, but they stole it by when it, he was there at Western Michigan. Right? Did they take it from, while he was there? Is it, did it become like a university wide saying? I don't know. The point is, is that Rutgers needs to run some more offense. Um, and run some more actual plays. And it feels like we're doing the same podcast over and over again, just talking about the idea that it's just not, the offense isn't changing. Like the, it, maybe you're seeing better signs out of Omar Rui. He's kind of taken over as the, as the lead guy, but it, the offense and the way they're By running the, way, the offense hasn't gotten better. When the talent is somewhat improving and the offensive numbers aren't, that's a really bad sign. I don't. I would argue that I don't think the talent has improved. Well, I'm just saying that. Okay, that I think is is debatable. A certain to a certain point, I think is uh, Omarui's gotten a little bit better. They got some guys. Peter Kiss as one day is eventually going to go off, like you <laughs> said. He he did provide some valuable points in the Seton Hall game. So again. They're in the mid-200s when it comes to offensive efficiency. That is just horrendous. And it's been that way under Steve Peichel since he took over. As Mike has documented, he had that type of offense at Stony Brook. So we're just calling out that something is obvious here. We want improvement on it. And then, oh, my favorite is, yeah, but you know, a couple of, a couple of those timeouts, man, when Rutgers runs those. Se- Guys, by the way. We're going to break some news here. Brandon Knight does those plays out of timeouts. Like, it's a well-known thing, too. So (laughs) I don't know what Steve Peichel offensively has proven other than somebody's going to tell me there are better players coming in the future, which may be true. My last point on it that really annoyed me, with especially with the, the talent issue, 
you knew that Corey Sanders was going to leave after this year. Everybody pretty much knew he was going to leave. You had three years to fill the point guard spot, and you couldn't do it. How come he gets no blame for that this year? It's just written off because he got a point guard for next year, in year four. We, they need a point guard this year. We see the type of position that Geo Baker is forced to play, and he cannot do it right now. It is it is killing them. So I, I just this these Rutgers the Rutgers hands are so soft. You're soft, soft. You're wow. soft. Wow, hello, soft, Mike. Wow, I did not see this podcast going to us calling people soft. Wow, like Mike playing uh, tackle football in college. <laughs> Mike, Mike wasn't Mike wasn't about that uh, taking big hits in college tackle football among uh, WRSU and Targum people. Mike Mike was always avoiding the hits. I would talk about the biggest hit Max took in college, but I I don't think let's, I want to go there. No, let's talk about it. No, you know what? We'll save that for another episode. <laughs> That deserves its own time and segment, maybe like a video recreation. I ran into a snow penis. <laughs> we all have those times in college. <laughs> I've been working on that story for a year, and you just tweeted it out. I, 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 I it just, it, it annoys me. Rutgers basketball Twitter may be worse than Rutgers football Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, it might Oof. be. I, I try to stay away from both because I don't really want to dive into those that those depths of hell, but. If, I can't believe that it's actually worse. I just I get because I think it's not as bad now in football because it's the results are so obvious and the failure is so obvious. Where again, they're just Rutgers fans are just dead inside. Ru- they just they're so numb they can't recognize the difference between like what what the next step actually is at this point. So I don't know, but screw it. We'll 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 see what the hell happens next if they're going to win any oh. of these. One real quick thing I wanted to get to. I know Adam used to have his segment of rage every week, or what, yeah. what did we have that a was, name that for was it? Kind of, that was kind of it, right yeah, there. Yeah, whatever, whatever it was. But I, I kind of have one that I want to briefly get oh, to. Oh yeah, what do we got? Um, so yesterday morning, Jerry Carino tweeted, uh, "My students ask me all the time, wouldn't you rather oh, co- cover man. pro sports? Absolutely not. And yesterday is why, referring to Rucker Seton Hall. Sometimes you wonder how much some pros care. Yesterday, every guy who stepped on that court cared deeply. It's what makes college sports great. This is an old." tired trope that is repeated by people like Jerry Carino in the media all of the time. It's repeated among fans and I'm so tired of it. Have you like, did, did you see the end of that Dolphins Patriots game with the crazy ladle? Do you see how happy those play? Don't tell me those players don't care. Don't tell me that NBA players don't care. It's a tired old trope. Watch the, the defense that is played in the NBA and the effort they put in. Stop throwing that stuff out there. I am so tired of that kind of crap. College athletes do not care more than pro athletes merely because they're not being paid. Also pay the players. Can, can I just say I, I want to opt out of that last segment? I like Jerry Carino as a person. Oh, I'm not. I'm just I don't like the tweet. I'm not criticizing it's a the really, man. It's a really stupid, bad tweet that doesn't really give any more explanation to why some people prefer college athletics over professional sports. That wasn't direct. It's, that wasn't directed at Jerry Carino. It's directed at that whole idea from people. Right. I'm, but I'm saying his tweets suck for that reason. He's a bit, <laughs> he says it all the time where he loves covering college sports. God bless you. There's nothing wrong with that, but you better have some good explanations as to why you do not some bullshit ones. Cause that, that was a really, really bad excuse. Like, Go watch a professional sporting event in person. He's been to professional sporting events. Yeah. You really going to be like, oh, a bunch of these guys just do not care. It's just something people accept as fact, and I'm just kind of tired of it. I mean, I can make that say. I, I, anybody else watch that Rutgers Kansas game earlier this year? It looks like a lot of Rutgers oh, players we, didn't we care. See, we seen a hell of I mean, a, come on. We got a long list of Rutgers players over the years who we could accuse it's of maybe so, not caring. It's that so much. it's so dumb. It's so tired. I'm with Max on that one. That's that is a bad tweet okay that's a bad tweet um, i'm glad you got that off yeah you know what I, I i almost forgot about it but i figured before we moved on to yeah. the latest uh rutgers boondoggle that i would throw that out there yeah yeah i it, it's amazing we really and this is kind of dissipated within a few days uh now that we're going to talk about it um this past week keith Sargent reporting that rutgers uh settled with the uh fired uh swim coach for $725,000, I think it was. They they only owed her $225,000 on her contract at the time that she was uh, let go. There was some uh, disagreement 
Uh, Max, I guess you could take it from here with with how this even came to to be about. Well, I just want to read a little bit from the article just to give people context. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're somewhat familiar with the story, but just to, to give some context. So from the article uh, by Keith Sargent uh, on NJ.com, which was posted, I believe, last Friday. Um, as part of the agreement with Petra Martin, her attorneys, Rutgers was required to release a statement that publicly exonerated the coach 13 months after an NJ advanced media report revealed a toxic culture within the swimming program, according to interviews with former swimmers and parents of athletes who were on the team. And this is the part where, which really kind of hurts and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go. But in addition, Rutgers athletic director, Patrick Hobbs was required to write a letter of recommendation for Martin as she seeks future employment. Um, I'll just read a little bit more. On the same day, Rutgers and Martin parted ways. NJ Advanced Media reported multiple complaints against Martin, including an 11-page letter from the attorney of one of her former swimmers that was addressed to Hobbs and made its way to University President Robert Barchi. The letter, dated June 1, 2017, alleged 30 examples of abuse and contended that Rutgers ignored repeated concerns about Martin's behavior. Uh, Martin was alleged to have shamed athletes over their weight, used abusive language during training sessions, and demanded her swimmers stop using medication prescribed by their doctors for anxiety and other issues. So just for some context. All right. So, Mike, where do you stand on this whole thing after reading Keith's reports and kind of looking at it from the outside? <clears throat> I mean, I'm just kind of like flabbergasted how this came to be. They, they would have been better off not firing her, and they would have owed her less money. They seem to have a case for firing her for cause and have ended up paying out three times as much money as they owed her on her contract. All because former uh, law school dean Pat Hobbs seemed to have erred in his lawyerly email writing. And that seems to have been the crux of like Martin's case, why they owed her more money. Like, what are we doing here? Like, that's ineptitude. Like, how does that happen? Well, I think the ineptitude started at the beginning, right? Because... When these, you know, according to the story, according to the to the former swimmer and, and, and her father and their attorney, they had a, a, tried to address these concerns without, you know, without going to a lawyer. And that's what people do. People don't just jump right to hiring a lawyer. If you've gotten to a point where you, you've hired a lawyer, generally speaking, like there's something serious going on here that you've tried to resolve through other means. So they they try to get the university involved. The university does some sort of investigation i put investigation in quotes i know this isn't a, a visual medium we you know you don't they don't want to upturn everything we don't really know how much universities in general do in these investigations like they do enough so they can just fill out a form that says that they um that they did it they found nothing that that violated university policy okay so they investigated it uh they couldn't find any corroborating evidence or whatever happened they they, they just they swept it aside to then fire her after it becomes public, after after NJ.com publishes that story, it's not like Rutgers learned any new information there. And so you can't fire someone for cause, like with the cause being that the wind was blowing that way that day. It was this is the same thing as as the rice fiasco. It becomes public and then they take action on it. When this seems to be a theme with Rutgers, where there are several instances where a coach can be fired for cause, or an administrator for cause ahead of time, and Rutgers does not want to get into the nitty-gritty of litigation and fight these things out and at least win them in the court of public opinion. They do the worst of both instances. They sit on it, right, because they don't want to get involved in something and go through the litigation, and then comes out, it makes Rutgers look bad, and then they still wind up paying at the end. And having to stand behind her legally. Right, he's this guy, I mean, Pat Hobbs has to now write a letter of recommendation for this woman. I mean, what kind of message does that send to the people that work within the athletic department, who probably know a lot more about this woman than we do? And you think what you think Keith Sargent right now He's the one to uncover everything. Come on. One thing, I want, one thing I want to make clear, and that people love to turn these into, oh, it's just one person's word against another. There is no reason not to believe these women, right? Of course. I, like, it's, not, it's not like if Petra Martin was doing these things. Oh, yeah, I was an abusive coach. Like, of course she denies it. Just like anyone who does any kind of wrongdoing, they deny it. Like, there's no reason not to believe them. So, Mike, go ahead. Where were you going? I mean, I, I was going to say, not only did all of that happen, what you guys outlined, then the Rutgers Athletic Department or Pat Hobbs' office or whoever released a statement blaming Keith Sargent, essentially, 
for reporting it. They went into a blame the media attack, which is what you always go to when you have no actual argument for whatever it is that you did and is always a weak move, like no matter who it is. It's just it's mind boggling how we went from like reading that story a year ago and we're like, wow, this is messed up. At least they got her out of there to now a year later being like, wait, they're paying her three times as much and they have to write her a letter of recommendation and they're apologizing for essentially firing her and they're blaming the reporter who broke the story and let the world know what was going on in your athletic department, which you ran, I think, two investigations that found no wrongdoing, which is. I don't know. Crazy to me. I ha- like. I, I mean, wh- like, what's going on there? And you can't just be based on building buildings. Like, this is the things. These are the things that we hold people responsible for, and that's more important. I think the way that athletes in your athletic department are treated, and whether that parents can let them go to your school safely, knowing that there's oversight, than just like how the football program is doing or how the basketball program is doing. And well, the, the other part of that is that. Like you said, they did the investigations. They were supposed to have put a bunch of stuff in place after the Mike Rice. We call it a fiasco. Is this a fiasco? I, I went boondoggle before. I don't know if it's up. Yeah, at the boondoggle's level. fine because no. Again, unfortunately, nobody cares about it as as we've seen within just a couple of days. It's just it's just gone away. Now, again, my question is, how many people within the department care about it? Is there kind of a sour feeling of? people that work for Pat Hobbs and how he handled this as well. Like I, that is more or less the interesting point here because I think it's quite obvious. There was an issue. Rutgers messed this up again. The AD, I mean, was just an absolute idiot in the way he went ab- about going, firing this woman. I mean, as Mike said, I'm not a, uh, Mike's our legalese person after one <laughs> year of law school. Even I recognize in Pat Hobbs' email, like, dude, you were basically, you I asked for your resignation was the quote. You're firing her. Fire her with yeah. fire her without cause. Just pay out her salary. Dude, like, just again, just you could you can win this in the court of public opinion. At some point, stop embarrassing us Rutgers people for this garbage. Here here's part of the problem, right? They were supposed to have put all these things in in place after the Mike Rice fiasco, right? Where there was supposed to be, there was a hotline that the, the you know university hotline that athletes could call. There's supposed to be measures in place to prevent another Mike Rice situation from happening again. But one of the things, and, and this goes for you know Rutgers, it goes for really any kind of public university or private university. There aren't a lot of people who are out there just trying to do the right thing. There are plenty of people who were at the rack and saw what Mike Rice was doing at these practices, hurling basketballs like a like a maniac at, at players from a few feet away. Like, there are plenty of people who saw that. And there are also plenty of people who didn't do anything about it. And so what happens at this level is that they there's just, there's so many people involved, whoever they may be, is that we can talk about the athletic director, we can talk about Pat Hobbs, but there seems to be, and I don't think there's any argument against this, a systemic problem at Rutgers with a lot of employees none of which are doing the right thing where you read that you read you know from the original reporting by Keith Sargent a year ago and there were just complaints from so many different departments that completely went ignored and that eventually you know got to the desk of, of the the chief of staff of Robert Barchi that guy sent an email we'll get back to you in a week never got back to the attorney it just it, there's just so many places where people didn't do what they were supposed to do at a university where they were supposed to have put these measures in place after the Mike Rice did. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, they're they're just lucky that there's no video of, of her doing any of these things at that time. Because then I think people would care. And I think that it would, it would get the attention um, that it deserves. Mike Rice would still might still be the basketball coach if there was no video. I, I think he is still yeah. the basketball coach if there's no video. I think, I think you're 100% correct on that. Yeah, I mean, Tim Pernetti was like, oh, I'll just spend for three games and hope nobody else sees about this. And Bob Barchi's like, I don't need to see a video. Who cares? Well, I, I think there are two points I want to make about this. One being, I'd actually like to know why Rutgers doesn't want to try to fire these coaches for cause. Like, maybe there's a legal reason for it that we're all completely overlooking. Maybe it's just it's just easier to get rid of them quicker, and you don't want to, I don't know, for whatever reason, handcuff yourself with future coaches that you're going to hire. If someone who's listening to this podcast has a semblance of an idea why it is that they don't want to have this battle as as Adam pointed out several times in the last few years uh, at a minimum. And, and two, the other thing that I wonder about now that they've done this complete about face is like, what happens if you're those swimmers who swam for Martin and who experienced what they experienced? And I feel like I had probably some level of vindication 
when the original story came out and she was, uh, I guess, fired uh, or asked to resign, whatever it is. Um, like now that you see that Pat Hobbs and the Rutgers Athletic Department is writing her a letter of recommendation, they're blasting the the outlet that basically reported your story, right? Like you felt you had been abused by her and you went to Keith Sargent or I think maybe it was a father who went to Keith Sargent. I forget who the the like the primary source was on that story and they told your story and now it's like that is being attacked by your athletic director and by your school after everything you endured a year later. Like I can't imagine how crappy that has to feel for those women to have that play out now. Like, you know, forget blaming nj.com and whatever like you're essentially shifting the blame to the women who spoke out about the abuse they they had under her like that's got a horrible feeling you're not only you're essentially calling them liars right it's, it's what you're doing you're essentially just calling these women liars yeah i mean and like i don't i'm sure that they would try to thread a needle of somehow blaming only nj.com and not the women involved who swam under her but i don't see a difference um, that's, I mean, that's just like, I can't imagine what that would be like to be in that scenario where you see your story being told. And then a year later, you're like, no, we're going to say she's the best, you know, she's a good coach and other people should hire. And the story that went out there is, you know, somehow not true or whatever it is. Like that's, that's just a bad place to be in. And we ask ourselves, how does this keep happening at Rutgers? It's because it's a public entity where no one's really writing the checks. What does this extra five hundred thousand dollars mean? Oh, it just means the university is going to have to give the athletic department an extra five hundred thousand dollars in subsidies, right? Like that's that's the only thing it means. There's no one being like, wait a minute, this needs to change. This money's coming out of my bank account, right? It's not a it's not a corporation where there's someone maybe saying, hey. Like, we can't be spending all this money on this crap all the time. No, it's the public but public the, entity where you – it just no one – But no that goes one's back, accountable. Like, no one's accountable. That's the confusion. That's where my confusion comes in back to Mike's point. If, if money really isn't the issue in a lot of things – like, again, Rutgers has chosen not to fight certain battles, and they've wound up paying more money. So if money – is not an issue. Why not? Why is there, why is the AD, why are there people not in that department being like, let's fight like hell at least to win the PR battle on it. The, every single major thing that has come out, whether it's been Julie Herman, Mike Rice, now this, I mean, Rutgers has lost the PR battle on everything. They got the worst in every situation, in every way in this, in this scenario, they, they got the worst. They had to pay her three times the amount that was owed on her contract. They had to have the embarrassment of having it known that they bungled the original investigation, then fired her without conducting another investigation. Like once the NJ Advance media story comes out, you just put her on administrative leave and either, you know, that you say, oh, with, in light of these new facts, we're conducting a new investigation. You don't just straight fire her. So they met, they mess up that part of us. They look bad there. Then they come out now. They not only have to pay her more, they have to get, like, like we said, write her a letter of recommendation and essentially say that she's a great coach and none of this stuff happened. And they look bad in every conceivable way. And it's just so Rutgers. Yeah, it really, some things never change. Some things really never change. Drain so, the swamp. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, it cannot be a fun time uh, in certain circumstances like this when this comes out to work in a department like that. Again, I'm very curious to, again, if I'm working in that department, I'm questioning a lot of things right now. Uh, but again, it's swimming. I'm, I, I'm sure if you're working in that department, you're kind of always questioning things. Well, right? I, like, I meant in terms of, well, I mean, I don't know, the guy making the most money in that department is just looked really bad, Mike. So I, I, I don't know. So. Uh, either way, I don't know. It's the same old Rutgers. We kind at some point we got to do something fun. So I, I want to do something fun here and and talk about um, you know the things going on. If you are the Rutgers uh, marketing department, right? We've been trying to come up with some fun, unique ideas for fan experience. What can make Rutgers better? So let's just let's brainstorm some ideas. Top of our head thoughts right now, and uh, and see where this thing goes. If we can have a little bit of fun before we end this thing. Um, so one idea I had, and I think we're all in agreement is the food at the rack is bad, right? You've got your hot dogs, you got your pretzels. And we know that that's just kind of the go-to like, that's just like, Hey, we need to have pretzels and hot dogs. They have a little Annie Ann stand. Uh, they've got the premium sausage, which is nice. I know they have all these advertisements. They have to fulfill obligations, but why wouldn't you just make every home game like a food festival? How hard would that be? You, like local businesses would love to come out and have a place where thousands of people are coming in and buying their food. People I, love food. Like at Rutgers, we can't make 
the game the the selling point. Like it's it's not working. So bring them bring the people. Out I like. I think it was Adam's idea. I think they should have a food truck. Just like food trucks around the arena, around the football stadium. Well, I don't think you, like I, I would say you'd have them have like stations inside the stadium, not necessarily like outside. Maybe some outside. No, inside the stadium. You're gonna have tr- big food trucks inside the rack. I think it's possible inside Rucker Stadium. And how drive you put food trucks in a football well, stadium? You could easily no the concourse. You just clip yeah. out the the fence the fence or whatever and make yeah, you, yeah. you could actually okay. pull those up. That's fine. And with the at the rack, what I would do is I would do a couple different things. Uh, I, I would make it food truck style, but you just instead of where you have to get the crappy food right now, just give each quote unquote food truck like a little space within that area to serve their food with their sign and yeah. and like nice. you just make. You make it a thing. So we're, I'm all in on the food truck stuff. We're, we're missing the easiest thing. After Rutgers unnecessarily use eminent domain to kick out the grease trucks and send them to Siberia, you, wait, why what? isn't there one at the rack? It's a good question. That, that is a very good question. Yeah, so again, wait, I, what, are you, what are you doing? It's the most popular food on campus. All right, so we're one for one. You need... Food trucks at every game. Every improve, game. Improve the food options. It seems like the easiest thing in the world to improve. By the, the way, food, food options. options is not really going to get people to come. It just makes a better fan experience. Like right. I'm not, I'm not right, going yeah. to a game for I, for that. Yeah, but I, I feel like the tickets to Rutgers basketball, at, at the very least, and even football, are inexpensive enough. Where if you pile enough of these things on, like if people are sort of on the fence and they like basketball, they like football. The success of the team isn't at the point where that's bringing people in. And we know that we can't bank on it. We also, honestly, we're going to be going to these games anyway. I just want better food. Right. Right? Like, we're going to be going. Give us better. Give us better food. Okay, so the food truck stuff, that's one. I think we're one for one on that. Mike, do you have anything? That was kind of a combo when we all had the food truck thing. I think uh, I had texted this in our chain. um, And Max went a little bit further with it. We need need theme nights. Constant theme nights. Like I'm, I, I, I think having the student section dress up a certain way for like five, ten games a year, first inorganically, then becomes organic thing, and it just becomes like the Rutgers fan thing, where like, what are they dressed up as today? And here's college game day on a Saturday, going, let's see what the Rutgers fans are wearing at the rack. Oh, they're all dressed up like Legends of Zelda, and like that's just a thing. <laughs> I, I think that I, I'm, I'm gonna go with everybody. I think they should do everybody not just students oh. because yeah because well a you haven't been to the rack or you what have you gone to a game this year uh no i went last year no so there's very the students show up to and rightfully so only a handful of like where there's several <clears throat> like more than a dozen students so get everybody involved like let's do you could do 70s night i think they did it a couple of years ago do 70s night but make the team do 70s night too like everybody's got to wear the short shorts on the ba- on the basketball team well montez mathis is already doing that right so. so make everybody do it make steve peichel wear some bell bottoms put on an afro like let's if you're going to do it like make him play two it. big men at once <laughs> <laughs> yeah see they've got that they got to do that anyway yeah they've got the style of play down and then like you can do anything with theme nights you should do uh again Black like party tuesdays Frat Party Tuesdays. They did uh, under Mike Rice. They did a very good job with like Greek nights, so they can bring back Greek nights and and try and and try and do that. I would also make that corner in the rack next to the student section. Stop with like putting the donors there. Like find another spot for them. Put some TV, some TVs, some couches, some like you know free like soft drink fountains and whatnot, and let the students come early and at halftime open it up, and you could hang there. Or make it a rave. That was your idea. Well, yeah, at half like at halftime, I was also going to say a couple of games. You just have yeah, have a rave. Like let them come on the on the on the floor too for like fifteen minutes. Well, remember the problem? They tried to do that with the football program with the tailgating area, right? And then it turned into this whole fun. It was too fun. It was, it was too much fun, <laughs> and it was like I guess it became a liability issue. Look, these are college kids <laughs> taking. They're, they're they're doing drugs and drinking anyway. You don't have like. There's got to be a line between you're condoning. Hey. Get fucked up and come to the game. And, like you don't have, you're not gonna say that, but you're kind of like you're always. They're doing it anyway, so you can kind of tiptoe your way around it. It's gonna be so much fun. When we could have like a, a weed night there well, as soon as this <laughs> thing gets legal here in Jersey. But the thing is, you can't because like you can't you can't call it that, right? You have to be a little more correct. You can call it like munchies <laughs> night. Like you you got you got to do stuff like that, right? Sure. Where you you can't be hey like 
smoke some weed and come to the game. You can, you can. No, no, you prescribe this medical marijuana night for all the longtime suffering Rutgers fans. <laughs> oh, you know what I would do too? I would combine like midnight, like one game a year. Rutgers gets the Big Ten to allow them to play one game at midnight, and you. Oh, host, that'd be amazing. You host midnight breakfast at the rack, and it's only 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 students are allowed to come to that one game. Oh, uh, that would never work. I love that. That would never. Okay, work. so all of us can. What go. about during okay, finals? Just invite people to study there instead of the Alexander Library. So anyway, I've seen people. I've seen students studying in the student section before. <laughs> like I remember when I was in school, I, I there would be women's basketball players who would go to the men's game, but also be studying, have enough room to kind of spread out their notebooks. Well, I can't blame them. The They're like the good team. They're like, what are we going to learn watching from this crap basketball? I like that midnight breakfast one there. I like a- it too. I think it would be fun. Well, I mean, I think our idea of having a game at the barn still needs to yeah. be done. Yeah, yeah that, 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 I just don't know why we can't be heard on it. But it's like the theme nights are such a great idea because one of the things, of course, that I remember from college is what do college-age males want? College-age males, generally speaking, want college-age females. What do college-age females want? They want to dress up in different ways. Like if you tell them cowboy night, they will find ways to wear skimpy cowboy outfits. Like that that is what they will do. And if you get them to come to the game, then the men will come to the game. Right. So like it's not what again, are the what other themes can we think of? So we got cowboy night, cowboy we got seventies night. Um, we can do a rave beer pong night. Sober beer pong, obviously. Beer pong, like, for liability uh, reasons. I don't know if that's a theme. I don't. That, that's well, yeah, not what a is theme. that? What is that? You need. Well, I, you in need that for corner th- where we kick the donors out. Oh, Ninja I, night. No, but you should have that there every time anyway. For that should be where the students hang out before and. Oh yeah. Like yeah. halftime games, like you have that area where they could do the beanbag toss and all that. Like that's. You know the, so this is the dissonance, right? Like we we hear this all the time about how Rutgers needs fans to show out and how students and young alumni and all that crap need to come all the time, and that's what Rutgers needs to be good, right? And this comes from all the older fans and all the older donors and all that stuff. But there are no concessions made to the younger fans. There are just kind of like occasional ideas, some of which work, some of which don't. There's no commitment to making a great game experience to these students and young fans. And so I, I think like those are the concessions that they should make is to make that a great experience for them and take things away from the older fans and just like have them live with it. If you're, if you're a fan, you'll come. If you're an older Rutgers basketball fan and you're still coming to the games at this point, you're not going to not come to the games because there's a rave at halftime. Like if, <laughs> if, if you're coming at this point, there is nothing that is going to get you to stop. So you, and again, like you're, you're having trouble getting fans to come out. You might as well try some crazy stuff to get people to come out. I actually, I got a voicemail from one of the Rutgers ticket associates the other day. Try, you know, I, I had purchased tickets and if, if you ever have bought tickets or oh, thought about buying tickets, they have your number and they will call you. And it's just the standard. Yeah, you know, this is so and so with Rutgers basketball. We saw that you came out to a game. I would like to discuss future seating options with you. No, leave me a voicemail that's like, you're going to come out to a Rutgers game and there's going to be a donkey there. Like, <laughs> try different things. You might as well. You're not going to compete with the big boys with your money. You're not going to. So do crazy stuff. They need to bring back the therapy dogs, by the way. Anytime you play a ranked opponent, therapy dogs there for everybody. So bring them back. That was a thing. Yeah, they were there for like uh, it, it was maybe a couple years ago, but they Puppies were a kittens night. Yeah, exactly. Bring we do <laughs> we do the whole idea. no we do we, you do the uh, all the baseball teams do bring your dog yeah. to the ballpark. There's no way Rutgers can do run it. that without it becoming some kind of disaster. The dog is running on the court. Do it against <laughs> a dog is definitely gonna gonna poop. No, poop that's fine if it does. Who cares? What's the difference? Who cares? One dog on the court. Whatever. Was it Sergeant who told told us what the story? Yeah, with uh, with Terry Shea with the dog that was there that took a <laughs> dump on on the field. <laughs> Um, yeah, don't, okay. Ther- but also I'm just talking about, you know, for us who are just so depressed that therapy dogs are, they're great. Just have them right. Ra- anytime you play a ranked opponent, cause you're probably going to lose each section gets a couple of therapy dogs and you can just kind of hang out with them as you know, your misery, uh, you know, continues. Therapy here's dog- here's an idea. Yeah. What do you got? So I, everyone is on their phone, right? I think that they should basically like be recording podcasts or talk shows during the game that someone can log into on the scarletknights.com app and just listen to it as an accompaniment to the game that you're at. So you're just listening to random people? Well, I think you would use interesting people, but someone who like would try to make the game experience better so you're not just listening to the guy talking over the loudspeaker. Like you can't you can't do it in the arena for like 
reasons that involve the basketball team probably get pissed if there's live like you know analysis but i i think you create some kind of second screen uh second earbud type of scenario you'd have to get some very interesting people for me to do that as like a diehard who will would be there like for me to listen to my seat you and max can do it you want us to do it and people are going to listen to us talk. What is with yeah. you and the ideas and making Max do something? No, I'd be fine. I'm that, that I'd be fine. That if I'm going to the game anyway. Oh, and also, um, oh, so this is my my other thought. Going back to the rave thing, because you would only do the rave at halftime. Ah, silent discos are Ooh. really, really cool. But you should do the silent disco throughout the game. So, yes. like, the crowd is just singing while there's really no music to the players and yes. to TV. That'd be funny. That's good. That's actually really freaking good. I love that idea. So silent discos, and th- those are like easy to do. I mean, I, again, I kind of work in that industry on the side. You like you got headphones to everyone as they walk in. Yeah, and you'd have three. You have three DJs usually too. So you again, for Mike's purpose, again, we don't want to leave out the old people. Old people got to get their stuff too. So <laughs> we can have one channel dedicated to some older music. You have the students and their music, and then I don't know. You can you, some other generational stuff. And, there was one. So, yeah. and for them, you could have like Victorian night. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. The it, oh, here we go. Even more. And if you're an away fan, you have to get one that can't change the channel. And it's just that thing that they do pregame with that follow la la guy the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> this is unbelievable. Like, again, this is so simple. I love this idea. But it's like, but the thing is, try stuff. They like when they did the hot tub thing before the, the uh, what was that the war before the shore what it was what was it called uh, yeah. the, the hot tub thing before the Washington game last year that was cool then this year and that got Rutgers some good press right people were talking it about was it funny it was people yeah there were people talking about Rutgers on a national scale hey cool they've got this hot tub at the game silent disco is gonna work um silent disco I don't work. like that idea I think that should definitely work yeah I what, what, okay so we got silent disco seventies night mm. Cowboys night. Ninja? Uh, you got a ninja knight dressed like a ninja? Well, you should do, uh, what's what? A, oh, oh, you should, uh, well, well, uh, this is dumb. Again, as the guy who's been to DJs constantly throughout my life, they do, uh, theme nights every Thursday at DJs in the summer, and it is the biggest hit down at, at the shore. So they've got, uh, Christmas in July. So you could, you could do right around that. You could do a Christmas, Christmas theme. in December. Right. You could do an actual Christmas theme. You could do Halloween, like later on in the year. And and like you could have the young kid, that could be a, like a family day thing, and and Rutgers could have kids trick or treating during the game. Um, they've they've got they've got Italian night. I maybe skip that one. That'd be funny for Jersey. That that'd be very funny. Uh, but that's you know, wading into some uncomfortable territory. Yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I probably would skip that one. Um, so yeah, you could definitely. Again, I'm all in on people I like dressed up and doing something different. And, and it's like. It's not necessarily a knock at Rutgers, but it's more of a knock at the whole, like, sporting industry. Like, why not become the circus? Like, try something different. Like, do something other than, okay, it's uh, the under-12 media timeout. We're doing the t-shirt toss now, and then the the dance team comes out, and, like, and it's the same thing every time. Like, it was cool. What what game was it? The Michigan State game? They had the guy with the dog. Yes. Now, I still think that's kind of, like, he did, like, a whole show. I still think that's kind of... Yeah, him, Red Panda. Right. Like, those those, those halftime shows are a little kind of overdone. They're wonky. Do something, like, have... Yeah, I, I like when they, they have the kids like race. They had like they had like they do. The babies are coming back. Okay, so bring bring that back. The baby race is coming um, back. I think more things with fire, like you know, maybe dogs jumping through like a flame. Right, that's ring. that's more halftime. <laughs> I, I I actually think they've done well with the halftime entertainment. I'm just theme nights to me. I'm all in on Mike's idea. Theme nights, we got that. We'll, I'm not go. in on this fire idea. <laughs> you don't want. I, I think dogs jumping. I'm out through, on fires. You don't want to watch dogs jumping through flaming rings. It sounds fun. I think our top idea so far: is silent disco. Cowboy slash 70s. Some, those are two really good themes. Uh, the food trucks, that should be done. That's just, that that seems like a, a gimme. Um, I, I like it. I like where we're heading with this. Could you do like um, like a carnival night where you have, yeah. like, you, you have, I mean, do they have adult bounce houses? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to watch your weight a little bit on there. Right. Hey. Uh, but yeah, hey. you, could have, you could have like. That, that wasn't directed at you, Mike. Oh, okay. Uh, well, he's done eating. Well, actually, he's never actually done. <laughs> um, you could do just do anything, try anything, and because some stuff isn't going to work, some stuff you're going to have liability issues, right? You're going to try it and be like, oh, wait a minute, the athletic director can't necessarily be chugging a beer during a tailgate. I disagree with that premise. Like again, I'm saying legally you might have run into some problems, but it's worth it to try some things to 
raise your brand to, to raise your like raise uh, your profile who's that is it the d3 school or whatever that they do the silent uh silent night that's a yeah. huge thing like you gotta like just make it something your thing don't yeah don't you want Rutgers to be known for more than just like they're just really bad and they're the pushover like be the quirky and, like fun atmosphere no matter what win or lose like Again, if you can get to the point where it's more fun just to go to the venue just because of what you're giving to your fans, and then if the team ever gets good, like that's a win-win. Start somewhere, though. Because the idea of sinking all of this money in the athletic department, right, is that eventually, yes, it's losing money now, but down the line it will be a net positive for the university. Like like those billboards that are showing up, popping up throughout the random country just saying birthplace of college football for no reason on it. (laughs) Like that's a marketing idea. I can't believe that. (laughs) The the idea is to, that eventually will raise the profile of Rutgers as a whole university. That's the whole idea. I would argue at this point with where the major programs are, the football program, the men's basketball team, that the athletic programs or the athletic department as a whole is not really – it's not. It's kind of a detriment to the university, right? Like where, like you say, Rutgers, and people don't necessarily think of, of it being a good academic school. They kind of default to how bad the programs are. But if you do fun things like uh, silent disco or more of the hot tub things, or your athletic director is chugging a beer, if you can somehow find a way to allow that, um, then it's it will then it will actually raise your profile rather than just being this. Finan- not only a financial albatross, but like a, a, a reputational albatross where it's it's just kind of feeding into just negativity. Try some different stuff. Anything. Any I'm I'm in for anything. Have an elephant outside the stadium if you can. Can you rent an elephant? You can. I've looked into it. You can. <laughs> why why? Eight thousand dollars. Explain. I can't do it in New Jersey though, right? Is it legal in New Jersey? I no, I'm pretty sure you can do it in Jersey. You can? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, like they just like like you said, just try something different. Beer fest, brew fest, sell beer at the stadium, throw beers into the crowd. Can you have a beer toss instead of a t-shirt toss? Probably can't do that, right? Mm. No. With mugs, paper cut. I'm I'm cool with like that's what the the Philly fanatic take the hot dog gun instead of the t-shirt toss. Just start firing some hot dogs. Well, remember Rutgers had like the t-shirt. I feel like for one year they had like the t-shirt turret. Where they, it was like it, it shot multiple T-shirts out. They got yeah. rid of that. Though. Liability issue, clearly, yeah, on probably, that one. Probably. All right. I think we've come to an end of our uh, genius ideas for the day. I still think this is way more fun than talking about the actual hey, if you If you have today. ideas, by the way, text us. Yeah. Well, uh, text we'll us. Uh, tweet at us. Tweet yeah, so Mike, can you please uh, put put your cell phone out right now for everybody to tweet you at, uh, for text you at, since you, you want text messages. Yeah. Yeah. What What's the number? 201. I'm just looking up your number really quick. I, I feel I thought he was just gonna look up. I thought you were gonna look up Max's number. That was kind of what I was setting you up for. Or Danny's. It really would have been funnier if you had put Danny's number out there. But I mean, time. we can tweet out Danny's number and just have everyone go to him. Uh, that's 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 true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe some influence, wielding some power there. I like it. All right, so uh, we're done for this week. I guess by the time we're on next, what do they got? Columbia and Maine as well too coming uh, up. I forget the order. I think it goes Columbia and then Maine. Uh, the next two Saturdays, twenty second and twenty ninth. Nice, and I guess uh, for those celebrating, have a uh, have a merry Christmas. That'll be that'll be fun. Get some uh, some good gifts, and hopefully uh, not Rutgers basketball tickets. Look at you qualifying a merry Christmas announcement. Just say merry Christmas, you know, like for those of you celebrating. You can just say it. Well, I could have gone with the have a happy holidays, which I hate. You can't. Oh, my they God. don't allow you to say merry Christmas anymore. Damn, those damn PC liberals. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Enjoy, guys. We'll see you again next time. Hey, player. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you don't shut the door.